Blog Talk Radio. Good afternoon, everyone. I want to welcome you to the D-Hour Network. This is Marsha Patterson with For Your Health Network. I am so happy to have you guys here. Um, I'm off schedule because normally we record on Sunday, but we're recording on Wednesday today because I have a special guest that I want everyone to hear her message, and that's Dr. Natasha Campbell McBride. And Ms. McBride is out of the U.K., and she is, uh, you're a neurosurgeon. Is that correct, Ms. McBride? Dr. Not McBride? Anymore. I used to be many, many years ago. <laughs> okay, I'm, I'm okay. trained in nutrition, and I'm trained in neurology. Right. And I'm just so excited. I got the opportunity to meet you at a Western Price conference in Los Angeles several years back. I have been following you. I don't know how I found your information on the Internet, your story about you, your son, and your journey to set your son free. I was so moved by that. So from that point on, I have followed you. And then actually you were the reason why I joined the Western Price organization. It's because of the teaching and the knowledge of what they're bringing to the community. And I wanted to bring your information to our community because – as I'm looking around at the news uh, with people being sick, and I realize what they're eating, and I'm thinking, oh, my God, it's the food. We're so sick. So uh, without any delay, I want you to give people who you are, what sent you on this journey, and this journey has really been a blessing to so many people. So just kind of explain to our listening audience who you are and what put you on this journey. Hello. Uh, thank you for inviting me to this show. I'm delighted to be on it. Uh, my name is Natasha Campbell McBride. Um, I'm a medical doctor uh, trained in nutrition and uh, in neurology, and I'm the creator of the GAPS nutritional protocol, of the GAPS concept. GAPS stands for gut and psychology syndrome and gut and physiology syndrome. Both in the English language abbreviate the same GAPS. What we have in GAPS, we have a person with abnormal gut flora. Majority of people heard that there are some microbes living inside their digestive system. Well, recent research has discovered the fact that 90% of all cells in the human body are in our gut flora, 90%, which means that your body is only 10%. It's a shell, a habitat for this mass of microbes that live inside us, and we ignore them at our peril. The number of functions that they fulfill for us are so vital for the 10% of us, for our bodies, that um, if we sterilized our gut, we probably wouldn't survive. Unfortunately, in our modern world, we have created an environment where we are damaging the composition of our gut flora relentlessly, all the time. It's supposed to have a large diversity of various microbes living together in a community, in a balance where we've got bacteria, fungi, protozoa, viruses, flukes, archaea, all kinds of creatures, microscopic and large, all living together, and they plant each other, and they harvest each other, and they eat each other and control each other. They do not allow any one of them to get out of control. Unfortunately, we human beings take antibiotics, and not only from um, prescriptions from the doctor, but also because of our modern agriculture. Majority of agricultural chemicals that are used by the industrial agriculture are antibiotics in their nature. So every time we buy anything in a supermarket, these things are laced with chemicals of antibiotic nature. We consume antibiotics. Whether we're eating plants or animal foods, it doesn't matter. We're eating antibiotics. And every time you take antibiotics into your digestive system, a bunch of bacteria get destroyed by these antibiotics because bacteria are vulnerable to antibiotics. These bacteria were controlling other microbes. They were eating fungi, they were eating viruses, they were eating protozoa, they were controlling other creatures in there. All those other creatures are resistant to antibiotics. Antibiotics only attack bacteria. As you remove that bacteria, all these other creatures start overgrowing in the digestive tract. They get out of balance. And they start causing trouble. They start causing disease. They would damage the digestive system itself, damage the digestive wall, 
making it porous and leaky. So foods don't get the chance to be digested properly before they're absorbed. They absorb partially digested. And then, of course, the immune system finds them in your blood, in your lymph, looks at them and says, you're not food. I don't recognize you as food, and attacks them. This attack would manifest as the food allergy or intolerance. And the reaction can be immediate or it can be delayed. And it can be any kind of reaction you want. One person may react with an asthma attack, another person with a skin rash, another person may react with a, a panic attack or a drop in the blood sugar level or a drop in energy or heart palpitations or any other symptom under the sun. The brain can react, the heart can react, the liver can react, any organ, any system can react in the body. These overgrowing pathogenic microbes digest food in their own way, converting it into thousands of very toxic chemicals. These chemicals also absorb through the damaged gut wall and finish up in your bloodstream. And whichever organ they get to in the body, the bloodstream will carry them all over the body. Wherever they get to, they will cause symptoms. They will cause disease. In a person with abnormal gut flora, their digestive system, instead of being a source of nourishment for the person, becomes a major source of toxicity. A river of undigested food, of chemicals produced by pathogenic microbes, and the microbes themselves, they get through the gut lining into your blood and lymph and travel all over the body. There's a river of this toxicity flowing from the gut into the blood, into the lymph, and getting distributed all over the body. When this river gets into the brain, it will cause a brain dysfunction. And because every human being is a unique individual, their brain will react in a unique way to this mixture of toxicity. And the mixture of toxicity will be unique too in every human being. So you may have a bunch of symptoms that might fit into a diagnostic label. So your psychiatrist or your family doctor might give you a diagnosis, or they may not fit into any established diagnostic label because you are unique and your gut flora is unique and the symptoms will be unique to you. And that's what's happening to a large percent of our small children. We have an epidemic of autism, hyperactivity, ADD, ADHD, dyslexia, dyspraxia, oppositional defiant disorder, epilepsy in children, all kinds of other uh, diagnostic labels are given to our children. But majority of these children do not fit into any diagnostic label because they may have a little bit of autism, a, bit, a few symptoms of ADHD, a few symptoms of oppositional defined disorder, a few symptoms of something else, and none of it quite fits into a diagnostic label. What really happens to these children, the real disorder, underneath all those diagnostic labels, because the, the label itself is purely descriptive. It doesn't really help the child, because it doesn't give us any information on what causes the disorder and what do we do to get rid of it. It's just a, just a label. The real disorder underneath all those labels is gaps. The child has abnormal gut flora. That gut flora poisons the child. There's a river of toxicity flowing from the gut into the blood of the child. And when it gets into the brain, it clogs the brain with toxicity. In the most severe situation of autism, what happens? How do babies learn? Babies use their sensory organs to collect information from the environment. The sensory organs they use are hearing, their ears, their eyes, their visual sensory organ. They touch everything. They take everything in their mouth. What are they doing? They're using their ears. They're using their eyes. They're using their tactile sensitivity, their smell uh, receptors in the nose and their taste buds to collect information from the environment. And then, then that information is passed to the brain to be processed. And from that information, the little baby learns that this is mommy, this is daddy, I can trust them. This is a toy, I play with it like this. This is food, I eat it. These are other children around me, I copy them. And by learning this way, the baby, the human baby becomes a human being. It learns how to be a human being, how to talk how to behave like a human being, how to eat and how to use toys and how to use humans around. But if the child's brain is clogged with toxicity, it cannot process that information coming from the ears, the eyes, the tactile sensitivity, from the nose, the mouth, the taste, buds, and other sensory organs of the child. 
All this information turns into a noise, into a mush in the baby's brain. And from that noise, the child cannot get any useful uh, information, cannot learn anything useful. The child develops autism. If the mixture of toxicity is different and maybe not so heavy, the child may become hyperactive, may develop attention deficit disorder, or may become dyslexic, dyspraxic, aphasic, oppositional defiant, you name it. All kinds of uh, labels can be given to the child, but majority of them do not fit into any diagnostic label. We have an epidemic of learning disabilities in children. Every one of these disabilities is growing in statistics. It's an absolute disaster, and at the forefront of this epidemic are the English-speaking countries of the world. When I started practicing as a medical doctor, we were diagnosing children uh, one in 10,000 with autism. That was a, a very, very rare disorder. And at that point, majority of people never heard the word autism. Majority of doctors have never seen an autistic child. Later on, we started diagnosing, one, uh, about 20 years, we started diagnosing one child in 150. Today, we're diagnosing one child in 35. And the scientists, statisticians have already projected that line to 2020s. And between 20 and 25, we are due to start diagnosing one child in two, if we believe that line. Wow. In two. Wow. Half of our children will be autistic. The other half, and, and the line is not going to stop there. It continues climbing. It will continue climbing. Half of children will be autistic. The other half is not going to be healthy either. They're going to have ADHD, ADD, dyslexia, dyspraxia, uh, diabetes, type 1, asthma, eczema, allergies, autoimmune diseases, because all of these physical and mental conditions are climbing. They're all climbing up. They become younger and younger, which means we're diagnosing them in children who are younger and younger. We have an absolute avalanche of poor health coming upon the Western world. Very soon there will be no healthy children around at all. In fact, I worry very much for the generation of our children who are in their early 20s now, what kind of children they're going to have. Not many of them will have healthy children. They simply will wow. not. So it's, a, it's an that absolute is, disaster. The reason for that is... It is so is, sad to hear... I'm sorry. Yes. That is so sad to hear those statistics and that number. It grieves me in my spirit as a mom and a grandma of what we can do to make this better for the next generation. And that's why I'm glad you're on our show but And you formed the GAP diet, not to take you off your statistic and number, but tell us a little bit about your son and what you were able to do for him being autistic. Well, practically every doctor that I know of uh, who left the mainstream medicine and ventured into the alternative world of an alternative medicine and healing had some disaster happening in their family, either with their loved ones or themselves, and I'm, I'm right. no exception. Uh, my first child was diagnosed autistic at the age of three. He was extremely severe. Very quickly, I discovered that my own profession had absolutely nothing to offer my beloved child, so that forced me to come out of the mainstream and start looking for answers, looking for solutions. Um, mainstream doesn't have all the answers. If your mainstream doctor doesn't have an answer for you, it doesn't mean that the answer doesn't exist elsewhere. And that's what I found. I found a world of information out there. And uh, as a result of that search and intensive work that I did with my child, he has recovered from autism fully. He is now in uh, mid-20s, and he's leading a normal life. But as I was working with my own child, I opened my clinic. I started helping other families because uh, all the families at that time, there weren't many of us in our area, we were all talking to each other. We were all sharing information. And as I started getting results with my own child, uh, with what I have found, I started uh, helping other families, and that's how my clinic evolved and appeared. Since then, I worked with tens of thousands of um, children with learning disabilities, not just autism. Because what I've discovered as I was working with autism, what I've discovered that siblings of these children uh, were not healthy either, brothers and sisters. They did not have autism. So the, the focus was largely on the autistic child in the family. But these children were not healthy either because they had also abnormal gut flora. They also had similar abnormalities. But because it was a different pregnancy, because it's a different constitution in the child, 
these children were not autistic, but they had hyperactivity, they had ADD, ADHD, many had digestive disorders, many were clingy and uh, fussy with food, some children were depressed, some children had memory issues, some children developed diabetes type 1, many had uh, celiac disease, rheumatoid arthritis, various other illness, and allergies, certainly allergies, asthma, eczema. Then I looked at the parents, and I found that the parents are not healthy either. They have digestive disorders, they have allergies, they have autoimmune illnesses, they had all kinds of problems. Chronic fatigue syndrome was very common. Fibromyalgia was common amongst the parents. And a typical scenario has emerged. What we've got here, we've got generations of people with abnormalities in their gut flora. And this gut flora is passed through generations. Because the fact is that mother and father pass their gut flora to their child. The mother starts passing the gut flora during gestation, during pregnancy, because now we know that uterus and placenta have their own flora. They're not sterile. They've got microbes living on them normally, naturally. They support the teeming with their own flora. So the baby starts getting gut flora and bodily flora while still growing inside the mother's um, womb during the nine months of development. But then the bulk of gut flora comes into the digestive system of the child at the moment of birth. When the baby goes through the birth canal, the baby swallows mouthfuls of microbes that live in the mother's birth canal. Where does the vaginal flora come from, the birth canal flora? From two sources. One is the woman's bowel, her own digestive system. It populates the vagina. So if the woman has abnormal gut flora, she will have abnormal flora in her vagina and that's what she is passing to her baby at the moment of birth. The father, if he's got abnormal gut flora, that flora would populate his groin and all the organs in that area, and he shares that flora with the mother on a regular basis. That's how Mother Nature designed it so that both the mother and the father pass their gut flora to their newborn baby at the moment of birth. The mother starts even earlier. If the child was born with a C-section, then the flora is more opportunistic. It comes from the hands of people who look after the child, from the nipples, from the breast milk if the child is breastfed, from the skin of the uh, people who look after the child. And indeed now we know from research that children who were born through C-section have impoverished gut flora. The diversity of microbes in their gut flora is much poorer, much smaller than in the child who had a vaginal delivery, a normal delivery. And this, then this... this uh, Lack of diversity in a C-section baby predisposes that baby to developing allergies, first and foremost, colic, and uh, asthma, eczema, and learning disabilities too. Various, various, various other problems. So looking at the parents and grandparents, what I see is that if grandparents, the generational grandparents, maybe had a few courses of antibiotics prior to having their children, because their children were born um, at the time when antibiotics were just coming on the market uh, and becoming more available, because antibiotics were discovered during the Second World War, but really they went on the market getting somewhere in the 60s, in the, in the, uh, the end, of, end of 50s and uh, 60s. So if the grandmother and grandfather had maybe one course of antibiotics, so they passed slightly damaged gut flora to their children at the moment of birth. Then the generation of their children grew up in a very different world. They grew up in a world where antibiotics were given to them throughout their childhood, like sweets, for every cough and sneeze. Because indeed, um, that was a medical drug, and doctors loved them, and indeed, for every kind of infection, every temperature, every cold, children were given antibiotics. At the same time, breastfeeding went out of fashion, and formula milk appeared on the planet, Formula milk can never, ever replace breast milk, the quality of breast milk. First of all, formula milk is dead. Breast milk is the white blood of the woman, with red blood cells removed and other things removed. It's alive. It's a living entity coming into the baby. It has alive and active immune cells, white blood cells, enzymes, hormones, neurotransmitters, and microbes. Because the woman's breast is populated by her own flora, and milk ducts have a rich microbial flora. So the breast milk is a probiotic product that the baby gets. It gets lots of bacteria coming, lots of microbes coming with the mother's milk. 
formula can never ever uh, replace that. It can never come close to that quality of, of, the, uh, of the woman's breast milk. So many of these children in that generation were not breastfed. They were formula-fed. And now we know that formula-fed babies develop completely different gut flora than breastfed uh, babies. And that gut flora predisposes them to all sorts of illnesses. And now we know even more. Now we know that even if a baby almost exclusively breastfed and formula is only given occasionally, even in that case, formula manages to damage the composition of the gut flora in the child. These children have damaged gut flora, even having the formula occasionally, let alone um, having it exclusively. Then that generation of young people grew up in a world where food industry started flourishing and flooded the market with processed uh, junk food. So they grew up on, on a lot of processed carbohydrates and other processed foods, which almost exclusively feed pathogens in the digestive tract, allowing them to proliferate. Then girls in that generation were put on a contraceptive pill at the age of 15, 16, which they took for quite a few years before they were ready to start their family. Contraceptive pill has a devastating effect on the gut floor of the woman. So by the time that generation of young people decided to have their first child, their gut flora was seriously damaged. And that's what they passed to their babies. And every year that situation is getting deeper and worse. That's what we see, all the holistic doctors see in their clinic. Even two years ago, the babies that were coming uh, to my clinic was a little bit healthier and had a little bit better constitution, stronger constitution and better gut flora than babies that I see today. <clears throat> every year, our young ladies who are having uh, children are passing worse gut flora to them than uh, ladies who were having it even a year ago or two years ago or five years ago. This is an avalanche coming upon humanity. And the establishment of gut flora in the child's digestive system is a major, major part of developing strong constitution in the child. If the child has acquired abnormal gut flora, the constitution is compromised. Children are also born with an immature immune system. It's an immune system that needs education, training. Establishment of gut flora is a major lesson for the immune system, major educational experience. And unfortunately, these babies acquire abnormal gut flora from their parents. So the lesson is wrong. It's abnormal. As a result, the immune system is compromised in these children. They're left immune compromised. And then, of course, the weaning foods that are used, which are processed based on processed milk and processed grains, don't help at all because these things are very difficult to digest. They're processed and they feed pathogenic microbes in the gut. And uh, many of these babies are not breastfed. And vaccinations are downright dangerous for this group of children because these children are immune compromised. They are not fit enough to be vaccinated with the standard vaccination protocol. They are likely to get damaged by vaccinations. In my book, Gut and Psychology Syndrome, I have a chapter on vaccinations where I make a proposal that seeing that GAPS is becoming a global phenomenon, it's becoming an epidemic. From my point of view, majority of children in the Western world who are born today are GAPSters. They have GAPS, these children. They, they have acquired abnormal gut flora from their parents. They have compromised immune system, compromised digestive system, compromised constitution. We can't continue vaccinating with the old standard vaccination protocols. We have to change that now taking that into account. It's very important. Uh, what I propose there, that we do testing to assess the immune status of the baby, every newborn baby in the Western world, before a decision about vaccinations is made. We have to see if this child is a gapster, if this child has a compromised immunity, if this child is fit to withstand the vaccination, because vaccination is a huge assault on the immune system of the baby. So please read that chapter and I'm afraid the good changes in the world always come from grassroots, from the parents, mm -hmm. from the patients, from the people uh, on the ground, rather than from the top. The top is usually quite happy with, with, with status quo. So it is the parents that have to bring these changes about. So what happens with these children in the first year of life? They acquire abnormal gut flora. It damages the integrity of their gut wall. They're immune compromised. As a result, they pick up any infection, these children. Ear infections are particularly common amongst these children. 
In the first year, they go from one ear infection to the next, to the next, and to the next. Chest infections are the second most common infection. And of course, antibiotics are prescribed for both infections. So whatever precious good bacteria this child did get from the mother and the father get destroyed by consecutive courses of antibiotics, repeated courses of antibiotics. While the child is exclusively breastfed or even supplemented with breast milk, the child gets some protection because if the mother has abnormal gut flora, her immune system develops protection against her gut flora. And because the breast milk is the white blood of that woman, that protection will be flowing in the milk. The baby will be getting that protection against its own abnormal gut flora. Unfortunately, when breastfeeding stops, that protection stops as well. So it's a good idea for these babies to be breastfed longer. So I recommend to women, even if even uh, though the child started eating solids, um, continue breastfeeding for as long as you can push it. If you can push it to the age of three, four, five, will be good. Even if it is supplemented once a day, or even if you manage to breastfeed once in uh, two days or three days, it will do a world of good for your child and may well prevent development of autism or some other disaster with your child. The child is not going to be healthy with abnormal gut flora and probably will be very fussy eater, a very, very fussy eater, but there will be no autism. There will be normal development in the child. Uh, so it's, it's, so it's di different shades of, of that situation. Now, I'm sorry. You said to breastfeed between the ages between up to three to five years of age. Yes, it's, it, the children benefit from being breastfed longer, without doubt. I have seen children who have very severe abnormalities in their gut flora. They're pale. They're anemic. They're clingy. They're miserable. They have colic. They may be thin. These children. They may have digestive symptoms, but the child's developing normally. There is no autism, there is no ADHD, there's no epilepsy, there's no schizophrenia or another serious disorder. A child can live and the family can live with a child who is slightly clingy and slightly fussy with food and maybe pale and maybe has some allergies, but autism is a, is a serious disorder. And okay. in every situation that I've seen, uh, such situations, the mother is breastfeeding the child. She's continuing to breastfeed past the age of one. So these children may be breastfed at the age of three, four, five. They pull through. And then if we change the diet in the child to the GAPS nutritional protocol, to the GAPS diet, when the child starts recovering and starts eating properly, then the breastfeeding can stop. Because the breast provides protection against the child's gut flora. It provides the best nourishment for the child because breast milk literally doesn't need digesting. It's just pure nutrition coming in, pre-digested, ready for the child's body to use. And uh, it, it's, it's a wonderful, wonderful uh, source of support for a child with abnormal gut flora. It's a good idea to breastfeed longer. Starting from my own wow. son and uh, following with all the thousands of children in my clinic, I have developed a nutritional protocol called GAPS Nutritional Protocol. The centerpiece of this protocol is the diet. Because we're dealing with a digestive disorder, our digestive system is a long tube. What you fill that tube with has a direct effect on its well-being. So food is the medicine, without doubt. So what we do with the, with the diet, we drive out pathogens from the digestive tract. We restore the normal gut flora in the child. We reestablish as normal a gut flora as possible in the child. And we heal and seal the gut lining. We close all those holes in the gut lining. As a result, the food starts digesting properly before absorbing, and intolerances and allergies to food disappear in a child. About 85% of our immune system is located in the gut wall. So, so our digestive system is the biggest and the most important immune organ in our bodies. The relationship between that immune system and the gut flora is very tight, very close. Our gut flora is a major source of data for the immune system. So when we heal the gut, when we heal and seal the gut wall, and when we establish normal gut flora in the child, the child stops being immune compromised. The immune system gets nourished properly, first of all. It's a hungry organ. It needs high-quality nutrition. 
And that's what the GAPS diet will provide it with because GAPS diet is a nutrient-dense diet. It removes nutritional deficiencies very quickly because we're giving very rich foods, very nutrient-dense foods to the child. So the immune system gets fed properly, it recovers, it gets rebalanced properly. The data coming from the gut flora becomes correct, so the, the immune system starts acting upon the correct kind of data. So inflammation goes down in the body, autoimmunity goes down, allergies disappear. The immune system starts functioning properly in the child. And all kinds of symptoms, which are very far away from the digestive tract, start disappearing, telling us on the way that the, the cause, the root cause of these symptoms was sitting in the gut, was sitting in the digestive system. Eczema disappears, alopecia disappears, chronic cystitis disappears, migraines disappear, multiple sclerosis disappears, fibromyalgia, chronic fatigue syndrome, rheumatoid arthritis, various other forms of arthritis, palpitations and atrial fibrillation disappears, asthma disappears, eczema disappears, all kinds of psoriasis disappears, all kinds of things disappear. And the full spectrum of psychiatric disorders start disappearing. From my point of view, I have no doubt that every psychiatric disorder is a GAPS condition. What happens in these people, they have abnormal gut flora, whether it is schizophrenia, bipolar, anorexia, obsessive-compulsive disorder, um, addictions, anything, anything at all, any kind of symptom. There are so many different uh, diagnostic labels now in psychiatry, and the list is growing all the time. All of them, depending on what kind of toxins coming to the brain and clogging the brain, the person will develop a unique group of symptoms which may fit into a diagnostic label, so may not. So the brain will respond to the toxicity, to that toxic river coming out of the digestive system of the person into the blood and getting into the brain of the person. At the same time, the immune system will be there because a large part of our immune system is located in the brain. The glia, the, uh, the matter in which surrounds the cells, which surround every nerve cell and every nerve fiber in the brain, called glia, that's part of the immune system. These are immune cells uh, for all intents and purposes. So the immune system is right there. And of course it will react to these toxins coming into the brain and poisoning the brain, intoxicating it. Of course there will be inflammation in the brain. Of course there will be autoimmunity. There will be allergic reactions and there will be all kinds of other reactions going on against the toxicity, against proteins which have been contaminated by toxins because many toxins coming out of the digestive system like to attach themselves to proteins. When they attach themselves to proteins, they change the three-dimensional structure of that protein. The immune system surveys the body all the time. And when it finds these changed proteins, it looks at them and says, you're not mine. I don't recognize you as mine. You must be some virus that got in and attacks them. And initially it would attack them with inflammation. And if that situation goes long enough, it will start developing antibodies against that changed protein, and you've got an autoimmune reaction against uh, the protein. Our brain has many, many different proteins which get contaminated by toxicity, coming out of the gut, flowing into the brain. And the immune system launches an autoimmune attack on the brain itself. And that can manifest with all kinds of symptoms, not only psychiatric mental symptoms, but with neurological symptoms too, symptoms of multiple sclerosis, amyotrophic lateral sclerosis, Parkinsonism, um, lack of memory, emotional instability, behavioral problems, uh, sleep problems, all kinds of problems. Whatever symptoms the brain can come up with, uh, it will come up with, depending on what parts of it are being attacked by toxicity, by the immune system, and also the alive and kicking microbes get in. They attack the brain as well, and parasites, Many parasites finish up in the brain as well in these people, microscopic parasites, and they would cause symptoms too in this person. When this level of toxicity builds too high in the brain, in the proportion of these patients, the brain develops a cleansing procedure, a safety valve. It sends one electric discharge through and burns the whole lot of toxicity, cleanses itself. And this discharge it manifests itself as an epileptic seizure. Epilepsy is a cleansing procedure for the brain. In the classical psychiatry, we have known that for the best part of 200 years now. 
in the classical psychi- wow. psychiatric books. So uh, the last thing, thing these patients need uh, is another toxin added to the equation in the form of anti-epileptic medication. Of course, there are very severe forms of epilepsy in children and in adults where there are many grand mal seizures every day. Um, grand mal seizures can kill the person, so these, these people need medication to suppress the seizures. But majority of children are not in that category. Vast majority, more than 70% of children, had one seizure, and then they have no more seizures for many months, and yet they put on medication. Anti-epileptic medication suppresses brain activity. As a result, this child cannot learn properly. They become, uh, their personality changes. They become couch potatoes. All they want to do is just sit on the couch and watch TV all day long, these children. I've lost count of loving parents, of how many loving parents call their child a zombie because of anti-epileptic medication. That's what it basically does to the child. And if the child takes this medication for many years, a learning disability will follow without fail in the child. My dream is that one day our uh, mainstream medicine will be putting these children on the GAPS diet because there are many, many children. I don't know how many. I haven't done an audit, but certainly thousands around the world who have recovered from epilepsy by following the GAPS diet. What we do, we drive no. out pathogens, we reestablish normal gut flora, we heal and seal the gut wall in the child, so that wave of toxicity stops, and the brain cleans itself. The brain has a wonderful ability to cleanse itself. In fact, it works on cleansing all the time. So it may take a few weeks to cleanse itself fully, but it will do so. And once that happens, there will be no need for this cleansing valve anymore, for this safety valve, for the epileptic seizures. And seizures disappear. They either get very, very mild, uh, the absences that the child can live with, or they disappear altogether. The seizures, will, and there That's is no need for, for medication. Other uh, disorders in the body, physical disorders. We talked about the brain, that's gut and psychology syndrome, and that's what my book describes. Other uh, organs in the body and systems in the body also get damaged by this river of toxicity. Wherever these toxins get you, they will cause symptoms. And that part of the disorder I call gut anesthesiology syndrome. It covers the lungs, the liver, the joints, the skeleton, the muscles, the rest, the, the, the skin, the, the rest of the body. All diseases begin in the gut. That's what the father of modern medicine, Hippocrates, has written some 2,000 years ago. And the more we're learning with our modern scientific tools, the more we're realizing just how correct he was. Indeed, every disease begins in the gut, chronic disease. And that's where the treatment has to begin. Whether it is rheumatoid arthritis or multiple sclerosis or chronic fatigue syndrome or fibromyalgia or psoriasis or osteoporosis or eczema or nephropathy or cystitis or anything else, really. You know, I've, I've followed you with the Western Prize, and I know uh, give people your website for the GAP diet. And also, you train practitioners on the GAP diet. So there's many people out there that you have trained to be GAP practitioners and educating families on what that GAP diet looks like, the prototype on how to follow that nutritional guideline. Is that correct? Absolutely. For the last few years, I've been training practitioners. We've got more than 3,000 health practitioners all over the world trained, and they're listed, the ones that are in active practice, are listed on my website, gaps.me, that's G-A-P-S dot M-E, like me, myself. Um, So there is a button there saying, find a GAPS practitioner. My first book, the GAPS book, has been translated into 18 languages, and we have seven other translations in the pipeline. And this is, uh, just shows that uh, it's a global phenomenon. This situation is uh, becoming common all over the world. There is a need for this information all over the world. That is why the book is being translated into so many languages. GAPS practitioners, uh, yeah, sorry. GAPS practitioners are trained uh, how to implement the GAPS nutritional protocol and how to deal with individual problems. Because every human being is unique, every human being is going to react 
in a different way and go through uh, his or her own healing journey, which can be very individual again. So um, majority of people around the world just bought the book because the book is the uh, self-help book. It has the whole protocol in it. The diet is described in great detail and all other aspects of the protocol. And these people have recovered. Um, but there are some difficult cases who can be helped by working with a health practitioner. That is why I'm training uh, GAPS practitioners. I have been receiving letters from people from all over the world for years. People who bought my book, they never had any consultations with anyone, including me. They just bought the book and followed the protocol in the book and recovered. And these letters were so powerful and so profound that I got the permission of these people and we published these letters as a book. We called it Gaps Stories. Please read that book. It covers all kinds of health problems which I have never covered in my book. From narcolepsy, alcoholism, addictions, schizophrenia, multiple sclerosis, chronic fatigue syndrome, uh, fibromyalgia to um, autism and every learning disability in the child and allergies and asthma and eczema and all kinds of health problems, neuropathies, other neurological conditions. And some of these people left their phone numbers and email addresses. They published in the book. They're happy to be contacted because they want to help other people who found themselves in the same situation that they were in. And they've recovered. The whole family has recovered. So please read that book. It will give you hope. And that's what I felt when I saw you at the Western Price Conference and you were sharing about family members and putting their kids on the diet and seeing the profound change in these children and in their home. And that's why I want to bring this because as I'm out here, here I'm living in Atlanta, Georgia, and I see the evening news about families, the crime, the drama, and I can look at people's diet and tell what's going on. And even some of these young moms in my community that are eating all this junk food while they're pregnant, the the the, um, the, cheat, the uh, hot Cheetos and all this sodas and stuff, and then they breastfeed and still eating the wrong kind of food. So I am so glad to have you. I thought we had two hours, but we have one hour, and I want to invite you back on so we can do a part two because – Sitting and listening to you is like, it's very powerful. It's very um, encouraging because sometimes you feel hopeless when you see these children and you don't know what to do or how to help them, but to know that there's something here that's on our table, that what we're eating has a profound effect. Even with me as a mom, I'm a baby boomer. You know, I took the birth control pill in the early years. You know, I ate unhealthy all those kind of things, and then now I see what I did to my body affecting my children and affecting my grandchildren. So I want to be able to change that and being able to put this information out there that you have through your book and through the teaching. And just like you said, these parents are willing to share their phone number and email to say, this is what we've done to help our children, and we want to be able to help our children. It's wonderful. Thank you for your work. We need more people like you. And, you know, and it's going to get out there because actually I got a meeting with one of the schools here in uh, Atlanta to go in there because the school has violent uh, behavior, and I'm going in there to talk to a counselor and the principal to share with anyone I meet. I'm always telling people about you and about your book and what you're doing. Thank you. It has a profound effect on every function in the human body. Every morsel of food that we put in our mouth changes everything in the body. Your metabolism, the balance of your nervous system, the balance of your immune system, your digestion, everything changes, absolutely everything. And the food has a profound effect on children's behavior, almost immediate effect on children's behavior. A lot of uh, crime and inappropriate behavior and grief in families and schools and difficulties in schools and, and uh, problems are caused by the foods that children eat. And the parents should have that tightly in their hands. GAPS diet doesn't have to be. It's based on traditional diets from all over the world. Wherever I go all over the world to give presentations at my conferences, I find recipes and I find uh, that the traditional diet, when you start talking about their local traditional dishes and their local traditional diet, people's eyes lit up. They say, oh, I remember 
my grandma cooked this and my mother cooked it sometimes and this is what our people used to eat but we don't eat that anymore we need to bring all these traditional diets back because that's what gaps diet is it's based on our traditional diets the way people used to eat traditionally when everything was cooked from scratch at home when your shopping list was just foods which mother nature created in the shape and form that mother nature created Nothing in tins or packets or powders or any other concoctions. The vegetables look like vegetables. The meat looks like meat. And the fish looks like fish. And eggs are fresh. And uh, milk is fresh. All of these things are fresh. And we buy everything in the shape and form that Mother Nature made it. And we cook at home. And when you start doing that yourself, and you start bringing back the recipes of your grandmother and your mother and your great-grandparents, you will find that you will be spending much less money on your food, on, your, on feeding your family, because you're buying fresh things, you're buying things in bulk and cooking them at home. And uh, it, it, it will cost less, and the whole family will start benefiting. The whole family will become much healthier, much friendlier, much calmer, much more peaceful, much happier altogether. There will be far more laughter, far more talking in the family, far more... Um, happiness in the family then when you eat uh, junk and I agree with you because I can see that there's a book that was written called Sugar in the Criminal Mindset by Joe Rodell and I think that was printed back in the 1930s that they knew sugar and food had a profound effect on the criminal justice system and then I had a chance to meet uh, Barbara Setter who's written a book Food and Behavior who was a probation officer who was getting sick herself and she found this book called Sugar in a Criminal Mindset and changed her diet. And actually, she and her husband paid for the school lunch menu in La Crosse, Wisconsin, to be changed. And the school itself had found a profound change in behavior with the children. The kids would get nutritional whole grain meals, fresh fruits and vegetables. They even themselves said, oh, I, I can focus, I can think. They had, they had no problem with kids fighting in class, disruptive, all of that disappear when they change the school menu. Absolutely. That's, this has been done so many times. It's just humans Humans have a laziness programmed into us. You know, that's one of the <laughs> yeah. attributes of human nature, laziness. And if something is easy, yeah. many people choose the easy way, unfortunately. Yeah. And, and that's what I'm here with this show is about for your health is to educate people that we're having a profound effect. And I see it. I see it. I've seen the witnesses by being a member of the Western Prize. And they, I love the meetings where we're in each other's homes and educating and training people to what our grandparents used to teach us on how to make the bone broth, how this various food, um, kefir and all this natural stuff was beneficial. And like you said, this is nothing new. That, that's out here is just something that our grandparents and our great-grandparents did. Absolutely. It's a well-forgotten uh, old information. Yes. That, that's all, all right. We want, to give, we want to give people your information, again, for the, uh, the GAP diet, for the GAP uh, website, and that they can go also on there and find a GAP practitioner for those who want that guidance. Uh, and in your book, give them information again on your book. Yes, that would be wonderful. Um, apart from my website, gaps.me, I have a blog, dr-natasha.com, where I put new information. I have several books that I have written. One of them I would like to mention, one book is on heart disease. We have in the world of fat phobia and cholesterol phobia. Uh, both phobias are based on a faulty hypothesis that was proposed in 1952, and since then, the science fully and completely has demonstrated that this hypothesis was wrong, completely wrong. Animal fats and cholesterol do not cause heart disease. In fact, they prevent it and reverse it. And uh, unfortunately, while the science was working on that hypothesis, a huge and very powerful commercial and political machine appeared in the world based on this hypothesis. Our pharmaceutical industry is making billions on it, food industry is making billions, 
Medical industry is making billions, and Western governments are making billions on this hypothesis. And these powers in the world do not allow this hypothesis to die. People are still being told that animal fats and cholesterol cause heart disease. And not only heart disease, but many other problems now. They've added that. We live in a world of nutritional misinformation. It's very easy to get lost in that information. So I've written a book called Put Your Heart in Your Mouth. It's the red-colored book. You know, every book that I've written has a, a, a color, a bright color. And uh, if you want to understand what really causes heart disease, please read that book. It will explain it to you in great detail. All of my books are written in easy-to-understand language for people who um, are not scientifically minded, but they are fully referenced for those who are. The last book that I'd like to mention is called Vegetarianism Explained, and that book came out last year. I was getting all these anorexic girls in my clinic who became anorexic because of misguided vegetarianism. We have a huge propaganda for vegetarianism uh, going on in the Western world, and this propaganda is getting more and more intense every year. I suspect that this propaganda is coming from the agrochemical complex, uh, uh, agrochemical, the, the big ag complex, because it is within their commercial interests to make the whole planet vegetarian. And in that book I explain how animal foods work in the human body and how plants work in the human body. These are two very different, very distinct groups of foods, and they work very differently in the human body. And what the human body requires to stay healthy and well. We have a growing population of young people who have become very sick, who destroyed their lives, destroyed their health and destroyed their lives through misguided vegetarianism. It is very easy to get into trouble, to destroy yourself. It is possible to be a healthy vegetarian, but you have to know what you're doing. You have to have the information. And when I started looking in this direction, uh, because these girls coming into my clinic, they spurred uh, um, an intense study into this area. And the first thing I've discovered that there are no scientific studies that we can truly rely upon in that area. They were all made by pro-vegetarian uh, lobby, and they are skewed, and they are not to be trusted, these studies. So I had to look at the basic sciences, at the science of biochemistry and biology and zoology and agro, agro, um, um, agronomy and medicine, of course, and the clinical experience, because many, many doctors around the world work with these patients, and they have a very valuable clinical experience. And based on all that basic information, I have written this book. The book is fully referenced, but it's easy to read. I deliberately wrote in a way that it would be easy for 15-year-olds to read. 14-year-olds to read, because that is the vulnerable population in the Western world, the, the young, impressionable teenagers that um, are now uh, worked upon by those powers in the world mm -hmm. who want to make the whole world vegetarian. And it's very easy to deceive those children, very easy to give them false information and to convince them that they should stop eating um, meat and should stop eating animal products and go vegetarian or even vegan. And that can lead to an absolute disaster. So I tell parents, if your kid comes home and announces that he or she decided to become a vegetarian, the last thing you should do is respect that. The last thing. Because you might lose your child. You might have a, a grief of observing the rest of your child's life going downhill rapidly. You make that child go and read all the books on the subject to study the subject very well and then give a presentation to the family, pro and against. And the first thing that I would recommend to read is my book, Vegetarianism Explained. I don't think there is another book on the market uh, like that which actually explains the ins and outs that on, the, on the basis of the basic sciences of how these foods work in the human body and how the body needs to be fed to stay healthy and full of vitality and full of energy. Okay. That is powerful. And because a lot of young people are becoming vegetarian and vegan, and, you know, mainly because they want to stay small and want to lose weight, they don't want to be obese. But um, I'm, I'm so happy to have you on. I want to invite you back as part two because I know all the information that's 
that's just inside you. And I love sitting at your feet learning this stuff and want others to learn so we can set our families free and have the next generation free so this number of autism can go down. Um, it's, n- it's not surprising where I go into the grocery store. I see some parent trying to um, calm their child down who's autistic or now Many families I met, they love this uh, delivery service where they can pick up their groceries so they don't even have to take their children in and out of public to deal with the drama or the um, frustration they have with that child not focusing or having a tantrum somewhere. So, And then that's the first thing I do. I tell them about you and the food and the diet because a lot of time I can see someone sitting there the kid got some candy in his hand, and, and he's all spread out all over the floor, too. So um, I think it's powerful. I know what you're saying has helped families, and I want other families to be helped, too. So thank you so much for being a part of our show. Can I get you to come back for part two again one day? I'll be, I'll be delighted. Thank you for inviting me, thank and thank you for listening. I, I'm Yes, and I want to encourage people, too, to check out the Weston Price uh, Foundation, um, their website, and be a part of that because that's more and more um, on-hand training and teaching that you get with family from people from your community, and that's what I love about the Weston Price and what they're doing. We're going to take a break, and we'll be right back with the closing uh, with Dr. Natasha Campbell-McBride. If I can get this thing, well, I can't get this thing. I'm having technical difficulty, so I do apologize for that. Let me try to see you get this here with you. All right, just bear with me. One moment, we'll be get it together here. Natasha Campbell, I've seen that I'm having technical difficulty on this. Is there anything else you want to close with? we got about three minutes left that you want to close with for our audience. Okay. Yeah. I'll, have, I'll, I'll just say a short sentence. Go ahead. Go ahead, please. Okay. Well, uh, to close, I would like to say that there is hope, that I don't believe in hopeless situations. In every situation, there is hope. And if your mainstream doctor doesn't have an answer for you, don't just close that page and think that's it, there is no answer. The answer is elsewhere, is somewhere else. We have a wonderful world full of information, of abundant, freely available information. Go and search. Search the Internet. Contact people. Speak to people. Read books. You will find an answer. And the human body is a miraculous creation. It has every program in it for healing itself, repairing itself, and rejuvenating itself. So trust your body. It's not the doctor, not the pill that is healing you. It's your own body that is doing the healing and the repair. All we have to do is listen to the body and provide it all the tools that it requires. And food is a major, major, most important tool in any healing protocol. All right, we got, we're, we're at the end of the show, and I just want to thank you so much for being a part of our show. Um, I'm going to talk with, I'll send you an email and find out what schedule will be good for you to come back on again on a Wednesday. We can maybe do it next Wednesday if that's good for you. And because I've been sharing with so many people about who you are and what you've done, I just want to sing it from the mountaintop because I know we can get our kids back, and that's my mission as a mom and a grandma. We want to see our family set free. So yeah. I just okay, want to okay, thank you okay. so I'll, much. I'll have a look at my diary. Please do. Please do. And thank you so much for being a part of our show today. And everyone, I thank you for listening. Thank, thank you very much. D Hour Network. Soon. Thank you. You're on the D Hour Network. This is Marsha for your help. I just want to thank you for being a part of our show today because she gave you such great information. I mean, it's powerful. And I just want to thank you guys for listening. And we'll have her on next week and try to get her on again to get this information to you because it's powerful. We want our kids back. All right? Thank you. Yeah.